Hello, good evening, and welcome to tonight's episode of Resistance TV. I'm joined this evening by two veteran trade union activists, Andy Botham, who was also a county councillor in Derbyshire and stood as a Labour parliamentary candidate in Derbyshire Dales on two separate occasions, as well as being a long-standing rep for the train drivers union, ASLEF. And Tosh MacDonald, who's the former president of ASLEF, and also served as a Labour councillor in Doncaster, but he's also famed for his Harley Davidson motorbikes. We used two of them to film a promotional video in 2018 for the Democracy Roadshow, prior to both of us touring the country to promote democracy inside the Labour Party. In tonight's show, we're going to be discussing whether the escalating industrial action by trade unions can deliver a fundamental shift in economic policy to avoid a cost of living catastrophe for millions of British households. And can the trade union movement strike a fatal blow against the neoliberal status quo that's held sway in this country for over 40 years? It's neoliberalism, let's remember, that's plunged over 14 million people into poverty. It's offshored huge numbers of skilled and semi-skilled manufacturing jobs to low-wage economies and privatised vast swathes of what used to be run by the public sector. Of course, one of those erstwhile publicly run services was the railways, and Andy Botham's in the front line of the industrial action. Andy, perhaps we can start with you. What's the mood like amongst your members? It's very strong, Chris. Um, we, we've had a really good turnout for the ballots. We've had um, a massive resounding yes for strike action. And, you know, on the picket lines, um, more people than I've ever seen before on picket lines, and they're really up for the fight. Are members confident that they're going to win this? I mean, and do you think there are wider implications rather than just simply winning for the railway workers? I mean, do you think there's a, there's a prospect that this could have a, a wider effect across all sectors or not? I think where we stand at the moment, Chris, is the talk is that we may not win, but if we don't fight and we go down, then they're going to come for more and more and more um, yeah. from us. You know, so we we may fight and stand still. We may not get the pay rises that we think we deserve and and you know we we, we want. But hopefully, if we do fight and stay fighting, they won't come for anything else off us, which I know they want to come and take off us. No, indeed. I mean, Tosh, you're, you're also a veteran and former president of, of ASLEF. I, I know you, you're sort of slightly in the background now as, as the retired president, but what's your take on it? I mean, you know, viewing it from afar, because you'll have been involved in industrial you know, disputes um, going back many, many years, of course, as well. Yeah, I've been involved in many disputes all, over the years. and But I think what we've got now, Chris, is something totally different. I think what we've got now is trade unions and community groups being the only people who are standing up for working people, the only organisations. The Labour Party is not doing a thing for, for working people, people on benefits. I mean, we know what the Tories are, we know what the Tories are doing. But when you look what we're facing now, we've got the Shadow Home Secretary, uh, Yvette Cooper, saying Labour needs to be tougher on immigration. We've got a Shadow Chancellor, Rachel Reeves, saying Labour needs to be tougher on benefits. And we've got Starmer, who, who's, who if this Labour government was elected, would be Prime Minister, saying protesters need tougher sentences. Now, we've got probably this, the, the worst Tory party I've ever known, the, the, the no 
that is at least as far to right as Thatcher was, maybe more. I get very worried by some of the comments I'm hearing from cabinet members and stuff. It's almost bordering on fascism. And we've got the worst I've, I've ever known, I think. And, and yet Labour are saying they need to be tougher on all these things. You know, they're offering nothing to the people who are struggling, who are relying on food banks, for workers who haven't seen pay rises, for workers like NHS workers, nurses and healthcare workers and stuff who kept the country going, who worked at work to the knees. You know, the, 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 have you ever known so many groups of workers voting for industrial action by such massive mandates, like Andy says? The mandates within Aslef have been massive. Within the other unions on the railway, it's been massive. The nurses' mandates. We've even had barristers on strike. You know, they got themselves a 15% rise in legal aid payments, didn't they? So it's yeah. it's imperative that the trade unions, all of them, start fighting. And it's, well, continue fighting, I should say, along with all the community groups. I did a fundraiser for a, a food bank. Was it last Friday or Friday before? I forget now. And people are so desperate. I've never known times as bad as this. I mean, mm. everybody knows I ate a tachi, but I ate this lot just as much. And I find it difficult to choose between the front bench at Labour Party and front bench at Tory Party, which ones I ate the most. And I tell you this, I think if unions and, and community organisations don't fight now, if uh, Starmer led... Labour government gets into power, I think it will set the Labour movement back for decades. And I think we mustn't forget it's not just about a Labour party, it's about a Labour movement. And the movement needs to be fighting. That means unions and it means community groups. Andy, I've, I've just finished watching Ken Loach's uh, Days of Hope. It's uh, a four-part uh, series. It, it takes, or it's set from the middle of the First World War through to the general strike. And there were lots of echoes for me in, in it how the Trade Union Congress, the TUC, and the Labour Party really betrayed the working class and um, you know, left them high and dry when there was, there was a great potential, it seemed anyway, at, the, at that time, that you know, fundamental transformation could have been brought about if that general strike had, had stayed strong. And... and Interestingly, um, it were it were Jimmy Thomas, or at least ways he's portrayed in the Days of Hope, a former railway man himself, actually, a yeah. former Derby MP too, actually, for that matter, who was, um, you know, one of the the, the, the key uh, figures who, who who betrayed the the movement. I mean, what what do you think the prospect today of the wider sort of industrial action that, that Tosh has been alluding to there. And, and do you think there's scope for, and indeed potential for a general strike maybe? And is that, has that got the, the, the possibility of, of actually bringing about, striking a blow and bringing about the fundamental changes that are desperately needed in this country? I'd like to hope so, Chris. Um, but <laughs> as I get older, I get more cynical of <laughs> being sold sold out. Um, I, for many years, when I was more active in politics or part of political politics, I used to explain to people that the only way you was ever going to change anything was through the ballot box. I would argue the opposite at the moment. Um, we're not going to change anything through the ballot box, the same as Tosha just said. You know, as we sit now, we've got a choice of rubbish or slightly rubbish or 
less rubbish with a smile. Um, you know, and I'm sick to death of seeing um, the Labour front bench uh, when asked whether they support the nurses' strike or they support the rail strikes. You know, yes, the stock answer is nobody wants to be on strike. We know that. But it would be nice every now and again for them to say, yeah, I support them. I support those people taking industrial action. I support those people losing pay to fight for their rights, terms, conditions at work, and a decent living wage. Because bear in mind, the trade unionised um, workplaces pull along behind us the non-trade unionised workplaces. When we fight for what we get, and and you know all employment legislation that's there at the moment, bank holidays, sick pay, maternity pay, uh, everything there has been fought for by the trade unions, and the non-unionised places come in behind us. So if the trade unions aren't fighting for this, um, then we're just going to get walked all over. It would be nice to have a bit of support politically in the in, in Parliament. Um, you talk about a general strike. A general strike could be um, brokered by the TUC, but I'm afraid the TUC's, in my view, not really with us that much. They're more of a of a talking shop and a, and a, and a place to um, to resolve issues and put. I mean, come on, the general secretary of the TUC, time and time again, ends up in the House of Lords. <laughs> then, you know they're not they're not there um, fighting for for Andy Bosman or Tosh McDonald. They're there as a as a cleanser for successive governments to be able to come and sit down and talk to general secretaries and say, look, don't cause this bit of trouble now. Don't cause this bit of trouble now. So mm. I can see a lot of people being out of strike. I can't be see it being called a general strike, but I'm. I'm was it last week, week before? I mean, the legislation they're trying to put through is to stop me going on strike. Oh, I know they're trying to withdraw my right to withdraw my labour. Labour, it's, it's shocking. Do you get a sense, though, Andy, from your members that they're taking, you know, action into their own hands and that they are more inclined to be, if you if you like, masters of their own destiny, rather than necessarily looking for the sort of political solution that, that you know that you've just talked about in, in, in Parliament. Is that sense palpable or not amongst members? Well, that's playing out in, its, in itself, you know, and I, I get sick to death of um, reading and, and looking at news and only half reporting coming out. So um, they've, they've been talking about not on strike days, some of the train operating companies not being able to run a service because train drivers aren't coming to work on their rest days. They're their days off, they're not working overtime. Well, you're not going to come in and work overtime if the atmosphere within the workplace is a battle. And it is a battle in every talk at the moment. It's a battle. Um, talk being it's a train operating company. It's not a battle called... Talk, you're referring to a train operating company, yeah? Oh, yeah, train operating companies, yeah. 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 It's not a battle caused by necessarily our managers because they've, been, they've had all their managerial responsibility withdrawn from them, and they've been told by the DFT and the government, we'll pay you X, Y, and Z to run this company. As long as you clear everything you're going to do with us, we'll underwrite any losses you get within strike action, but you are not allowed to sit down with the trade unions 
and discuss anything on pay terms and conditions. Mm. You can't you can't operate like that. No, no. Josh, what, what's your take on on, on this then, in terms of um... on on the chance of a general strike? Well, the chance of a general strike and and this this notion that that people are, are, are sort of taking power into their own hands. I mean, are they beginning to sort of do that rather than necessarily looking for somebody, you know, as it were, by proxy in, you know, in Parliament and, you know, representative democracy to, to do it for them? I think people are doing that. I mean, I mean, obviously, I'm not in the workplace anymore so much, but I still obviously speak to other trade unionists. I attend a trades council meeting when I can. And... I also meet people who've never been in a union who are now taking to the streets and getting involved in things. They're angry, they're mad. And I, I don't think relying on TUC or the Labour Party is the way forward. They'll only join it if they're dragged in kicking and screaming and see that's the way things are going. I mean, if you, you I would, I've told you before, Chris, certainly, that I was brought up by my granddaughter who was born in, born in 1907, and he was in the general strike in 1926. He told me about the brutality that went on there, and that's that, that was horrendous, and I'm sure that will come again. But as a minor, they stayed out for a year in that general strike. It was the TUC who told them to go back to work. Andy, you'll remember uh, the flexible rostering dispute in 1982, where Aslef were fighting for the, the eight, to retain the eight-hour working day. And what had happened up to that, there'd been all these this anti-trade union legislation being brought in by Thatcher, and the TUC had passed motions, it had special conferences, any union, any trade union falling foul of these new legislation will have the full weight of the trade union movement behind them. And they went, Aslef went out on all-out strike, they've been threatened with a lockout. Uh, the TUC were in a meeting waiting for them to come out, and Len Murray came out and basically says, you better get back to work, lads. Now, what we've got to make sure what happens with the unions taking the action now, with the community groups taking action and getting involved in stuff. I mean, there's, here in Doncaster, the job centre where Nikki, my wife, used to work, the PCS have been taking action there. They're going to close it, just close it. It's, it's, it's something, there's a lot of unemployment in Doncaster. It needs to be there. They're going to moving all the staff to Sheffield. So them, the staff there are getting angry. Everywhere I look, I see people getting angry. And what people like us have got to do is keep giving encouragement, encouragement to people to stay angry, get out there on the feet, because the only time that those few people in Westminster who have some principles will get behind us and step, put their heads over the parapet like they never did for you, Chris. You know, they never did when you needed the socialist campaign group or whoever to stick their heads up at parapet. They'll only do it if it becomes in their interest to do it now. And the TUC will only do it if it becomes in their interest to do it. And even at that point, we shall have to be careful that they don't try to guide us away from the end goal. And the end goal is getting the big parts of industry back in public ownership, the commanding heights of the economy, as we used to say. That's what we've got to do. We've got to get good publicly owned social housing, so maintain social housing. Power needs to be back in our hands. The railways, obviously all the services, mail, rail, uh, the water, all needs to be, so it's not being taken out for profit. People are skinned. I've, I don't remember people being this skinned, people going so hungry, and yet the bosses of these privatised companies and other companies are making record profits. This, yeah. It's drastically wrong. And we've got to do it, but we've got to keep this movement going, what's there now, and 
maybe drag the TUC and the Labour Party along with us. If not, so be it. We fight on our own. What, what more do you think trade unions could be doing? One of the things I always used to think trade unions should be doing more of, and when I was in Newpeer, the old National Union of Public Employees, before it merged with the Health Workers Union, Cozy and uh, Nalgo, they used to do quite a lot of sort of political education. And I know that the Fire Brigade Union do a lot of that. I used to go and indeed um, speak at some of their political schools and stuff. But uh, do you think there's... Well, are a trade unions doing enough of that? I mean, and should they be doing more, Josh? What do you think? But I, I think unions do do that. And I, I've spoke at one of the uh, FBU uh, political schools at Worsley all some years ago. That, that was yeah. at a time when the FBU weren't affiliated to Labour Party. And yeah. one of the things we were discussing at that time. And I know as left do political schools. But what I find is the political schools that I've seen run by trade unions, in many cases... It's not about politics, politics. It's about getting people into parliament or getting people to stand as councillors and things. Now, Andy knows he, he should have been the, I still say he should have been the member of parliament in uh, in Barnsley rather than Stephanie Peacock. I think you were stitched up there, mate. I've got no question about that. But also, I, I spent time as a councillor. Andy's been a councillor. And, you know, it, it, it's... It's not just in council chambers and in parliament where politics happens. It happens on the streets and in the workplace. What I'd like to see unions doing more of, and maybe not with as left with the salaries we're on, it's maybe not necessary, but some of the unions with the really low paid workers need to start doing what the NUM used to do. They had health services. Before the NHS, they had health services in each yeah. mining community, each pit village. They'd set up things like the football teams, you know, the brass bands, social integration took place and it kept the community together. And that's what we need to do. And, and I remember Mick Whelan, the General Secretary of I, I often remember him saying many times, our members, you know, through the, the, the recession in, in, uh, in 2008 when it came along, our members aren't suffering from the recession. And basically, because we were a strong union delivering, our members didn't suffer the recession. But, you know, the families did and the neighbours did. And that's the type of politics that needs to be taught in trade union schools, not just how to stand as a councillor or how to get into parliament. Because, you know, to be honest, councillors and parliaments don't change much. No, no, indeed. Well, like I think you were saying earlier, uh, Josh, I mean, all the, or it might have been Andy, actually, one of you said anyway, that, you know, all the, all the kind of <clears throat> things that we enjoy today, which have gradually been whittled away, have been, have been fought for by, by grassroots uh, activists, yeah. you know, have been kind of handed down. We've actually, you know, demanded it and, and secured it that way. I mean, what's your thoughts on that point, though, Andy, about political education and, you know, some of the things that, that Tosh has just been saying? I mean, should unions be doing more of that sort of thing? We, we can be doing more of that sort of thing, but, uh, I mean, I do agree with Tosh. It's all about getting um, people elected to Parliament or, or into councils, as, as, as we were. Um, and, unfortunately, most of the trade unions, the people they put forward aren't the people who are craft within those trade unions. They're not the people who've actually had their hands on the tools and done the job. There will be political advisors from the trade union. There will be um, professional politicians, as I see it. You know, we need more teachers, cleaners, um, train drivers, post uh, postal workers. Uh, fine. We need more people who've actually done a day's work 
done a bit of struggle, know what it's like, and know what it's like to walk amongst the masses of this country. And, and then, you know, if you can see somebody who you can relate to, getting into that position and, and doing that, there's more chance that you're going to try and do that. And but I've had these conversations with younger people many, many times. My, my secondary school, Charles Weiss, was never going to teach me how I could get into the political system and change it because they don't want me to. No. Um, and, and that's the way it is. The people at the top, you know, I find it very, very difficult to understand politics. I walk around my town and, and, and go for a drink. You know, people don't know the difference between town council, district council, county council, um, uh, parliament, members of parliament. And, you know, it's because we don't teach them that. We don't want them to know as a society. We don't want them to know how it works because if they know how it works, they might want to change it. No, indeed. That's right. I think another thing, Chris, if I come on, another thing on the trade unions and the political education that they give, it's the people they bring in to give that education. It's people who are part of the establishment, people who are part of that club. I mean, it really is a cesspit, isn't it, Westminster? Both of well, you who know that. And there's very few. You're talking about what, you know, Andy's point about people that end up in there, very few, if any, have done a... Nobody's like to do a proper day's work. I mean, there's hardly any working class. But well, I mean, I was one of the few working class uh, MPs down there. And what I found really regrettable, you know, and I mentioned this in, in the book on one guy in particular, one of the few working class uh, MPs over there. They kind of forget where they come from, and they get and they get sort of, you know, their, their head is turned by the bloody system, and the, and they sort of embrace it and become part of it, you know, yeah. uh, rather than actually getting in there and wanting to try and change it. They kind of sort of feel like pull up the, the drawbridge behind them. But sorry, Tosh, I think I cut across you there when you were just saying something. Yeah, just an example of the time when I, be, I become a councillor in, in Doncaster, you know, for town ward, myself and my wife were both councillors in that same ward, and it takes in the centre of Doncaster. And we had a big problem, it was hitting national news then about the homeless people in Doncaster Town Centre, and the spice heads, as they were calling them, and the spice was about people like zombies and what have you. But with my appearance, I used to go and sit with them in Town Centre with all the so-called spice heads and stuff and talk to them. And I remember some of the stories they were telling me really got to me. And I'll never forget speaking to another councillor. And I says, when I think we're getting somewhere is when we get one of those homeless kids sat here in council chamber. That's when we've got somewhere. That's when we're doing something that's worthwhile. But the, the whole political system is just broken. It's, I say, I, when I retired, I thought I'm going to give something back to my own town, to Doncaster. And I, I enjoyed being a councillor. I didn't enjoy being on the council, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I hated really. being in the Labour group. Yeah. And some of the, But what I couldn't do, I couldn't... I'm sure if we decided to stand again and stand again, we would have got re-elected again and again on a Labour ticket. But I couldn't represent the Labour Party as it is now. It had gone too far. Both Nicky and myself resigned from Labour Party as sitting councillors. So I saw a couple of weeks out till my term were up. But the things I wanted to do, and I couldn't do it because of how fixed the whole political system is, and it's worse in Westminster than it is in a council chamber. It is, it's worse. Some of the things that took place, I couldn't believe I was sat in a Labour group. It was like being sat with Tories, and I, I think that's part of it. It's people 
who want to go on in politics, not because they want to change things, because they want a political career, yeah. they will join whichever party suits and we'll get them there. Some of them people in Doncaster, for instance, in the Labour group, if they lived in the Tory stronghold, would be members of the Tory party. And so I think that's the same for getting into Parliament. I think we get, instead of getting people who've been on the tools, as you said, Chris, what we get is people who've been to school, been to university, worked as an advisor and such in that parliamentary bubble, and they'll go for a seat wherever they think they can get it, and it doesn't really matter which party to them, because there's no difference between them at all, is there? No. I've seen that. I've certainly seen that in Parliament. I saw that when I was a councillor mm. in Derby. Some of the people that ended up as Labour councillors clearly were standing, or particularly during the, the big surge to Labour in the 90s, were standing as, and a lot of them have left the Labour Party now, as well, funnily enough. But, I mean, um, although, actually, a lot of, this is before, you know, the, 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 the way things have gone, yeah. just recently. I mean, you know, they, they left because of Jeremy Corbyn and so on. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, people come in because they want a bloody career. But my view was always, look, if you've got a political platform, you know, you should try and use that to try and make a... A uh, political difference, mm. but uh, but I just want to just go back to the industrial action and, and, and given the anti-trade union legislation, and you mentioned Andy that the governments are looking to make it illegal, you know, for for, for like rail workers and so on, you know, key workers to to go on strike, and and given the timidity, of, I mean, I'm not saying ASLEF or indeed the um, RNT for that matter or timid unions because they're not. I mean, they're the the, the new brigade of guards now that they. NUM is no more. Um, but do you think, what, what I'm going to say is a lot of trade union leadership, you know, we've seen this down through the ages, are very timid about, about challenging the law. They always want to stay within the law. So do you think that the future uh, for trade union activism is going to be wildcat strikes, Andy? I've, well, <laughs> the, the problem there, Chris, I mean, probably, I don't know, 10... 10, 12 years ago, um, there was unofficial industrial action on the company I worked at. And um, for some reason, all the drivers decided they weren't going to come to work on a Sunday. Uh, and I'll never forget it because the company went to the High Court, and Tosh will probably remember this, and the judgment by the, by the judge was he had no proof that... Aslef was organising this, but he found it beyond doubt that there wasn't a senior guiding hand locally within Aslef that was doing this, else it would never have happened. And I remember having a, a, a very frightening conversation with, um, with Vicky from Thompson's about what the impact of that could be. Thompson's if they could, the lawyers, the solicitors, the unions. Yeah. 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 It, 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 if the company could prove, or, or it's not even prove, is it? You don't, don't, you don't need proof. He used the words reasonable doubt that I was involved in it, and then that would have meant my house going. Mm. Mm. They would have been able to reclaim from me damages that the company had um, um, suffered. And I had nothing to do with it. But the point is that that, that didn't matter. Now... With the legislation that's just gone through uh, for or going through for transport, they've lifted the upper limit that they can find trade unions for if they don't comply with the legislation. So they could actually bankrupt, say, as left within first strike. Now, wouldn't that be a 
a feather in the cap of any Tory. And they took out one of the strongest trade unions uh, who remain active within the country. What's your thoughts on, on that point, uh, Tosh, in relation to wildcat strikes? And maybe we might start to see more of them, and that might be the way to conduct industrial action, given the imposition of this legislation. Although what Andy's saying, that, that's going to make it very difficult. Even, you know, if you do but that. Of course, it's the legislation is there to stop it. It's not just there to stop uh, trade unions taking official action. It's there to make trade unions responsible for unofficial action that takes place as well. And it's it, none of it's been done to help workers. None of it's been done to make things better. It's there to attack us. But I mean, I also remember the wildcat strikes on the underground as well. Do you remember the wildcat strikes there? I do. And the, things things can take place as long as they can't pin it down to you. But look, the way things are going, the legislation that's coming in, the legislation that we've got now, and the way it's being interpreted, trade unions are going to be hard pushed to find a legal way to take any kind of industrial action. And once you're not a free worker who has the right to take your work away, basically, you're becoming a slave, aren't you? And we've got to fight somehow. But because it's not just trade unionists who's being attacked at the minute, it's all sections of society, except from for your bankers and stuff, the, the society is moving. Society has to do something. Now, the 1926 general strike was a, was a bit of a damp squid because the TUC sent people back to work and stuff. But my grandfather used to tell me about the stuff that went on during that time and the brutality of the police and stuff at that time. We will have to fight that. I also think, I believe, we need to start talking to the troops and stuff as well because most of the people in army will be turned on us. The kids from council estates just like me and Andy and stuff. And we've got to start organising within there. You remember the revolution, the, the Russian revolution? The, the troops left the trenches and went back to join yes. the revolution. We've got to organise in all sections of society now, all sections. Disabled people who are being treated like shit, you know, uh, people who are being pushed down and pushed down, carers, for home carers, people who are caring for people in their own family. They're being ground down. People are dying, literally dying. And if we don't start organising wider than just in our trade unions, the trade unions are the most important organised part of the labour movement. But we've got to get wider than we are at the minute. We've got to start sitting with spiceheads in town centre. We've got to start talking to people like that. I'll never forget when one of them said to me, he says, Tosh, when we got addicted to this, there were kids at school who were legal. You could buy it in a, a, a illegal high shop on, on Scott Lane. You know, and it was, it was really difficult and some of it were heartbreaking. You know, not everybody was like that, but some of them were heartbreaking stories. And we've got to get out away from just people who wear suits and talk nice and a part of political process or trade union process. We need to spread our wings wider. I'm convinced how do we, we how do. We do, how do we do that, Tosh? Because, I mean, it is important. I totally agree with you. Um, and obviously you've been leading the charge in certainly when you're the council and, and, you know, and actually walking the walk, not just talking the talk. But, but how can we bring that sort of approach about because it's the right thing to do and we can talk on here about it but how do we practically do you think do you have any ideas of how practically we can actually start putting that into action and inspiring people to start putting that into action to to bring people with us as it were i think the way to do it is to talk 
talk to people in all walks of society. And then when a trade union is in dispute, bring the people from that, bring the disabled people to the picket lines, bring people from food, bring some of the homeless people to the picket lines and stand together. Let people start exchanging stories. Because I, I know, and Andy will know, there's many people in Aslef on good salaries, and some of the comments I've heard in mess rooms would never just let them go about homeless people and what have you, know, druggies and what have you. It, there's a story behind every one of them. Yeah, and of you start to learn that and listen to people and care for people, that's the way it'll move forward. And people do tend to remember you. I mean, I'll never forget my getting involved with the Freedom Riders when they took the free travel away on trains in South Yorkshire for pensioners. I got involved in that. I got some criticism for getting involved in it as well. Got involved in it. And they never forget. Who was the criticism from, George? From within my own union and from within other unions, particularly actually the RMT gives some, but not the RMT as a union. A lot of the members did because they were the ones who were having to face up to the pensioners who were getting on train and refusing to pay. And they couldn't understand why I was supporting them. You'd, trade, you'd explain to some and get through to some, to others you wouldn't. Mm. But get involved in those campaigns. Get involved in things that, like that. That sort of mentality, though, Tosh, it, it's sort of endemic, and it, that's what we need to break out of. Mm. I remember being on Derby City Council, and I used to continue to represent people against the council when I was a councillor. Mm. I used to represent people who were threatened with homelessness. We'd often go... And get emergency hearing uh, judge yeah. in, in, in camera in his chambers, you know, people were due to be evicted the next day or whatever, you know, and I used to represent lots of people there. I used to represent people, because councils in those days used to determine housing benefit and council tax benefit, as it used yeah. to be, uh, and there was housing benefit review boards and council tax review, like an appeal tribunal, and I used to represent people there against the council. Yeah. And I used to get heavily criticised, this is before I became leader, obviously, um, used to get heavily criticised by some of the senior members saying, I'm conflict of interest, what do you think you're doing? I always used to say, and I used to say this when I was leader of the council, my job as a councillor, even my job when I was a leader of the council, ain't to be a spokesperson for the council, it's to be a spokesperson for the people to turn the bureaucracy to make sure it is actually representing the interests of the people. And that's, so I think there's, a, there's an issue there where we need to tackle that sort of, <laughs> that, that defensive mentality that, 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 that is endemic, I think, across the, the movement. Um, but I think what you're saying there, Tosh, is that it's coming back to this point about political education and maybe, and I think you made this point actually, Tosh, about organising outside of the, the the workplace in that sense, a trade union somehow. I mean, I know United, I have a brave attempt at doing some of this, but I think they need to do more of it and they need to do more of that sort of thing and, and spread their wings still further, you know, with, with uh, Unite community. Uh, maybe that's a way to... because. It's, it is, I think, what union... Bring, bring people to the picket line and so on, but mm. how do we go about doing that? The unions need to be reaching out, don't they, with outreach work to actually make that happen, don't they? They do, and I think one of the unions that's showing a fantastic example of that is the Baker's Union, to be quite honest. Yeah, you see some of, the, some of the, the food organisations that they're getting involved in the things. And, you know, we, we're not too big to do that. You know, we're not too clever to do that. We can get in there and speak to anybody if we want to. We can get in there and bring people forward and help people. And like I say, the Baker's Union are helping... Uh, right to food and things and stuff like that where they're getting involved and I forget the names of all the things I see them constantly doing and uh, what they're doing for people now when they're in need those people will come back for them and I'll never forget just recently on the uh, picket line at Donny Station a few weeks ago 
we went to uh, to the local Greggs, which you know are organised by the, yeah, the yeah. Bakers Union, and they're giving discounts to people on picket lines. You know, they think nice. you can get there. People understand if you talk to them. But you know, sometimes we don't bother talking to them. And just one last thing on, on when I was a Labour council councillor. I retained my membership. In fact, I, I gave my membership up of Aslet and joined retired members section recently because it, it, it could jeopardise the ballot result if I was still there as an active member, and I'm not an active member. So I'm a retired member now, retired members section. But uh, I've, you know, I've lost, lost my thread there. What was, was on with? I've lost my thread. I'm getting old. <laughs> well, let me, let me just, while you think about that, then go yeah. to, uh, to Andy uh, and just get your thoughts, Andy, because, I mean, you're still involved on the front line as a trade union activist, trade union representative. Is there scope to do more of the sort of thing that we've just been talking about there with Tosh in relation to, you know, organising more widely outside of this the specific workplace and to bring people in? Like, as Tosh was saying, you know, you know, bring disabled people, bring people from the community onto the picket line. Now, we can say that, but is there scope, do you think, and is there is there an appetite within the trade union to do that additional bit of organising to, you know, go that extra to bring those people in? What's your thoughts? There is, Chris, but like everything, it's a conversation, it's an individual conversation each time. Um, and I think sometimes where we miss opportunities is we wait for the organisation mm. to tell the members what to do um, rather than the members becoming active and, and going out there and doing it themselves. You know, I love, I've got the confidence to sit and talk politics to anybody regardless of what their politics are, and talk about everything. And we need to encourage more people to do that. When you sat down the pub, talk about issues. Try and diffuse the rubbish that they're, they're reading all the time about what, what's happening. And, and, and it's all about education, but one-to-one -one education, if you see. If we, all, if we all take one or two people and decide we're going to work with them and help with them, or join an organisation to help an organisation, like helping the food bank or helping the local disabled groups. Do that as you as a person, rather than you as an ASLEF member, or you as a Unite or an RMC member. That's a better way of doing it, I think. And, you know, and that's why, look, when I jacked in my membership of the Labour Party, I took my year's subscriptions, Unfortunately, I cancelled my wife's um, direct debit as well at the same time, so I couldn't remember which one was ours. So I took them both, went down to the supermarket, bought a load of food for the food bank with that money, drove to the food bank, gave it over, and do you know what? That's probably the most I've achieved politically <laughs> in all the years I've been political by just doing that. Because I've done something and there was something there to yeah, do. Yeah, I know indeed. I mean, those individual uh, altruistic actions are important, but there's also a need, isn't there, for the, you know, some organisation behind that as well, so that there's like a structured approach in that sense. But I mean, the problem you're going to get, Chris, is if... Right, so... It's a bit like... Nottingham Forest and Derby County football supporters, you all like football, but you've got your badge on. Uh, and, you know, they'll rip chunks out of each other all year unless then there's a World Cup and then they'll they'll join together and rip chunks out of somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And the trade union movement's like that. Mm. You've got um, 
you know, it used to drive me mad when I was a counsellor, you know, and the teaching unions, there's so many of them, because they're all ploughing their own area, that they're all having their individual battles instead of fighting the, the system that they should be fighting, first and foremost. And we're going to have that all the time with trade unions. We, we get it with ASLEF, um, RMT and TSSA. There's Unite, GMB, uh, Unison. They're always at it, doing the same sort of things. There's the teachers' unions all at it. All come, come together. Yeah, we need to. Well, we certainly need to definitely encourage that. It's interesting what you're saying there, though, about, um, you know, the, the unions, uh, you know, fighting in their own corner, which, you know, which is understandable in some ways. And, you know, the, the important thing of coming together. The interesting thing for me, I'd be interested to get your take on it, is that <clears throat> in the old days, we had a lot more trade unions. I mean, in, in my industry that I used to work in, in the building trade, uh, UCAP was my union, the Union of Construction and Allied Trades and Technicians. But prior to that, I mean, there used to be a bricklayers' union, there used to be a, a joiners' union, a carpenters' union, um, you know, roofers' union, plaster, you know, that came together. But now even UCAP doesn't exist. That's now been subsumed under Unite. And you'd think, wouldn't you, that that would be an opportunity to have that kind of joined-up approach. But it, but it seems that... Yeah. I don't know, I get the sense that the bigger unions have become more remote now, or so the leadership has become more remote, and they know, because this covers such a wide spectrum of, uh, of occupations, difficult to kind of relate. Not the case with, like, Aslev, for example, because Aslev, it's a stranger. So you know, I mean, officials know what they're on about. You know what I mean? They, they, they've done, the, they've walked the walk in that sense. But that's I don't the know, I mean, what, you know, whether, whether, what, what your thoughts are about that. So the Well, yeah, the TUC was much more relevant when there was lots and lots of trade unions of reasonable similar sizes. Now the TUC is stitched up by the big three or four. Yeah. But the Labour Party's exactly the same. Yeah. Look at look at all the Labour MPs. It all come, I mean, me and Tosh, have, uh, you know, I've cried on his shoulder for so long about this. We haven't got a chance, as Aslef, of running for half winnable seat, because every time we did, the big unions come and sort of snatch the seats out of the way. They got it. Yeah. And and the TUC is exactly the same. So as, as we've all merged all these trade unions, one, I'm very proud in Aslef, you only really two phone calls away from the general secretary, no matter where you are in the union. That's not the same in all these big unions. Um, you know, I, I could pick this phone up now, phone <coughs> and ask Mick a favour even. Um, and that's how we operate. And also, you run across your membership all the time, and we've all, regardless of where we are in the union, we've all done the job. So you have to be a train driver to be in Aslef. And so we've all come through. We don't employ professional um, uh, organisers or anything. It's all done by the members. And we're a small enough thing to, to know most of it. And that's why we're powerful. We're powerful because of we're, we're, we're together. We'll rip, we'll rip shreds out of each other. You know, we'll rip chunks out of each other. <laughs> but... If anybody else comes through us, we stand together. 
Yeah, well, I mean, Unisys strength and all that. Josh, have you remembered the point that you was going to make now? Or I, I do, but before I go to it, what I'll say is about the small union, the craft union in Aslef. Is 96% member density, 96% yeah. of train drivers, while I was still employed and still uh, president of ASLEF, 96% of all train drivers in the country were members of ASLEF. What other union can say that? And I think there's a lot to be said for being a craft union for the numbers, the reasons Andy's given about we are all train drivers. You can't be in ASLEF unless you're a train driver or a tube driver. So it goes. But yeah, the, the point I made is why I remained a, an ASLEF member after I'd finished, but was a councillor. I sort of knew I might get myself into bother in council. I might get in trouble with whips. And I did. And the first time I got in trouble, I had to take my full-time officer in with me, my ASLEF full-time officer right. in with me. Because he was a Labour Party member, he could come in. And uh, I was actually in trouble because I'd given it after the, the local elections before the 2019 general election, Labour had a bit of a trouncing. And I, I was asked by media to give a local, you know, an opinion on like local media. And I gave a statement which was all in, absolutely in line with Labour Party policy. And the, 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 the whip had me in there and he says, but some don't like it, so you've got to stop. <laughs> well, obviously, he got short shift with that. Absolutely. But another time, I went in with another councillor and uh, he was, he'd been accused of bullying, actually, and he weren't bullying at all. He's just saying things people didn't like. And when I got in with him, the chief whip said, he opened up by saying, you're a councillor, it's your job to listen to advice from the officers and then act upon it. Well, of course, I was in at that point. I'm, you're not supposed to speak, are you? With somebody else. Mm. You're telling me that you, you, we're actually elected officials. Officer, we're elected to hold the officers in check. Of course. Officers advise, members all, decide, or at least they decide. All, all ask about face, all of it. And that's where I think that runs right throughout the political system within Britain. One thing I just want to ask before we sort of talk a bit about, you know, whether unions should strike a blow against neoliberalism, which has been a bloody disaster, is why do you think, Tosh, and I'd obviously be interested in your thoughts as well, Andy, why are trade unions still wedded to the Labour Party? I know not all unions are affiliated, but as less affiliated <laughs> to the, the Labour Party, United is... When you've got a leader that's saying that members should not go on the picket line when they are not prepared to repeal the anti-trade union legislation, when they are actually a neoliberal party that's going to make life harder for trade union members, why, in God's name, are trade unions still affiliated to this shit show of the Labour Party? It makes no sense. What's your thoughts? Well, Tom? listen... I, no longer being an active member, I have put articles in the Aslef Journal about why we, it's time to break from the Labour Party, and they've been printed, and it's been printed as well. Aslef Conference made a decision. There was there was people branches sent motions up to disaffiliate from Labour Party. I wasn't there. I'm, I'm retired now. But unfortunately, the uh, delegates that were there voted to stay in there and. and you know, as left conference is, is that's the parliament of the union that yes, makes the decision, and that's yeah. it. However, we weren't long after that when Sam Terry got sacked from front bench for being stood on a picket line with as left members yes. and stuff. So, I think lessons are starting to be learned. The Bakers Union have uh, kicked out, haven't they? Yes, I, I know. Uh, 
We'll, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything more to be gained by staying in Labour Party. So I don't think... Yeah, I get that, Tosh. I'm just, I don't know if you've got a sense of the mentality, because, you know, you're, you're both of you are steeped in the trade union movement as, as, as activists, much more than, obviously, I'm a trade union member, but, you know, you're very much more in the, you know, in the engine room of, of the well, trade union movement. If, if I just give you my, my opinion on what's happening, I always argued to stay in the Labour Party. I yeah. always argued that we should be affiliated, we should be in yeah. there, yeah. we can change stuff. What's changed my mind is... 2019 a little bit, but particularly 2017, we had our generation's 1945 moment. Mm. We could have got elected with a, with a manifesto that I think was at least equally as good as the 1945 manifesto. In fact, I think it were better. And I think we had a chance there to do it. But the Labour Party worked against us. It worked against its own party getting elected. We had office, we had officials, we had staff, and we had MPs working against getting Labour elected because they didn't want a socialist party elected. It weren't just about Jeremy Corbyn. They didn't want a socialist party. No, they didn't want a socialist government. And they didn't want socialist policies because it would have broken that little bubble. That's where my mind changed. And I know it changed with a lot of others. I'd argued. In fact, there was one conference, I think you were there, Andy, where there was a motion up to disaffiliate from Labour Party and I thought we were going to lose it. And as president, I got up and give a barnstormer. I, I pulled out one of my best ones, I think. And we won by, a, we, we stayed affiliated by about eight votes, I think, wasn't it? And this something four, like four that. Four votes, Tosh. Four votes. Four votes, was it? So, you know, uh, that's something I believe. I am now convinced that the Westminster way, the Labour Party way through Parliament is not the way forward. It's, as I've said, right from start on this uh, interview, I believe it's the trade unions taking action and community groups and organisations mm. taking action and getting out on the streets. That's the way it's going to go. Trade unions are like oil tankers. They have, yeah, yeah. They have rules and rules have to be changed. And it, like, it takes a long while to turn an oil tanker around, doesn't it? It takes a long while to turn a union around sometimes. Mm. But I think the mood's in the air. Mm. I think... As I said, started off with, if, if we got this Labour Party elected now with Starmer and Co in charge, it would set the Labour movement back for decades. But I think it would finally be the nail in coffin yeah. of affiliation to the Labour Party for many unions. Mm. What's your thoughts, Sandy? The point I'm trying to get at here is, what is it amongst trade union leaders that feel it's, it's worth bankrolling I think some of them, Chris, get a, get a bit of importance out of it. Um, right. I, I, I certainly know, um, you know, they they like to think that they've got the ear of, um, you know, the, the, they'll tell you that the shadow transport secretary has been to see him and, and they don't think we'll have that. Um, influence if we're not within the party. I think, you know, certainly in the higher up in our union, I think we're fairly split um, on on whether we should stop or go. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing that is happening. And um, because we have decided to stay affiliated, our political levies dropping like a stone because our members are, are voting with their feet. They're doing, you know, they, they think that the political levy only goes to the Labour Party. 
And the dangerous part of that about that is we also use that for many, many other things. So if I was sat around the EC table, I'd be looking at those numbers and think, well, if we don't act soon, we're going to be in trouble. Um, so I'm hoping you will. Now, Tosh talks about the conference um, voted down the motion to disaffiliate, but I, I'm, all, I'd, I'd, I'd bet I'm not a betting person, but I would, I'd bet a decent amount on if we went out to an all-member vote and asked members if they wanted to remain affiliated to the Labour Party or not. That every would be single union, every single union would. Yeah. Well, how do we get to that then? I mean, it's clearly we've got a situation here where the trade union leadership, a bit like the leadership of the Labour Party, the Parliamentary Labour Party, were completely out of step with the members when Jeremy was the leader. People were excited about the uh, the, the direction of travel, the, the manifesto that, that Tosh has talked about, which was a good product, but it, there was a lot of areas where it still was not not what it should be. But but the direction of travel was was you know radical compared to where we've been, and people were enthused by that. What they did then, well, we know what happened. We, I mean, we don't need to repeat it, do we? know what they did. Is it the same phenomenon, then, within the trade union leadership? What, how do we change that? What do we do? Well, I, I, I will speak up for Asleff on this, and I think Asleff, certainly at national level, were fully behind Jeremy Corbyn and the front. Yeah. Oh, yes, I know they were. Fully, yeah, fully, fully behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What other unions did, I can't speak for them, but maybe... The point I'm making, though, is, is Tosh, the point I'm making, though, Tosh, is just in regards to this thing about continuing affiliation to the mm. Labour Party now, is that the membership are in one place and the trade union leadership are in another. I mean, and, you know, Andy's made the point that as left members are voting with their feet, they're, you know, they're opting out of the political levy. And I think you've just said, haven't you, Tosh, that if they put it to a, an all-member vote in all the trade unions, probably all vote to disaffiliate from the Labour Party. Right. I mean, that's an unsustainable position where the leadership's so out of step with the members, isn't it? And how do we square that circle? Can that circle be squared? Well, I think it has left it's two years before another motion can be brought to conference, isn't it, Andy? Yeah. Well, but it wouldn't be the same motion, would it, Tosh? It no. would be. I mean, I don't know. We could we could go for a, for an all member ballot. Mm. But, no. <laughs> I get accused of being bitter and sour, and that's why I'm doing this. And you know. You know, I'm an honest person. Yeah, I am bitter and sour, but that's not the reason I'm doing it. I walked away from the party, Chris. I've seen many, many people who did nothing wrong within that party been expelled for being members of groups that were prescribed after the, after, you know, yeah, I know. Prescribed. Yeah. As a trade unionist, if an employer sacked one of my drivers for wearing trainers three days before the rule was you weren't allowed to wear trainers, I'd say that was wrong. Mm. The justice there is wrong. And, yeah. you know, and I keep saying this about Mick. Mick is on the national executive, along with other trade unionist leaders of the Labour Party, and that is done all in their name. Now, Mick's not there as Mick. Mick's there as the General Secretary of Aslef. So it's also being done in my name. And and that is not right in any shape or form. The yeah. you know the, the, the witch hunts that have taken place, the people who've been hunted down and expelled from the party for no fault of their own, they've done absolutely nothing wrong at all. 
Um, and we, we cannot be seen to condone that as trade unions because the minute we decide to come out and strike to protect one of our members for the same sort of actions, you will get what you get now from the Tories across. You didn't stand up against the Labour Party when they were doing that. No, indeed. Just finally then, because we've only got a few minutes left, both of you would just be interested. It'd have to be a brief answer. It's a big question <laughs> but to, to uh, give a brief answer to. But do you think the unions are capable and indeed are they up, up for striking a blow against the neoliberal status quo, which has done so much damage in this country? I mean, are, are, are unions I, looking I, at that or not? I, Tosh, you go first. I think the answer to that is the unions are the tools to be used in doing that. But the unions also have to be pushed into doing that. And uh, just one thing I will say before you go to Andy to finish is uh, when you're talking about the people expelled for, for no reason or for things that have been changed afterwards, listen, Chris, I still don't believe you did a single thing wrong. Mm -hmm. Some of the things I'm reading in your book are shocking. But I'll tell you, well, when, I, I, I was, when I got a phone call from Morning Star to see if I'd put some statement in in support of you, I did, obviously I did, but I started oh, yeah. off by saying... Well, you were the personification of solidarity, Tosh. I'm, I'm, I'm a retired train driver. What mm. about the people who are there? Why is there no yeah. general secretaries or other MPs standing up for you? That was a shocking thing. I'll never forget, I was introduced to you by Ian Lavery, or I still class Ian as a mate and stuff. He introduced me to you at the silk mill thing at Derby, the first time I spoke at it. You were in between seats then, I think. You'd, right. you'd lost yeah. one that's coming to another. And he said, well, you met Chris Williamson. He's one of the best left-wing MPs I've ever known. Where was Socialist Campaign Group when you were being treated abysmally? I don't know. Running you. for cover. Mm. Sorry. Sorry if I took over with that one. No, no, sorry. Mate. No, no, thanks for that, comrade. And I appreciate your support, mate. You, you, as I say, were the personification of solidarity and you went the extra mile, which uh, I just wish, uh, you know, some of the socialist campaign group had done a fraction of what you, you did. Not just for me, but for all the bloody people that mm. got completely traduced, people like Ken Livingston, Jackie Walker, yeah. and, you know, so many, so many others. But just this point, though, Andy, in conclusion, we've only got a couple of minutes to go. Um, are the unions up for you know, striking a blow against the neoliberal status quo? And are they capable of actually delivering that blow, do you think? I don't think they're going to have a choice but to be up for it. Um, and what what comes out tomorrow will have a big impact on how we react to this. Um, if more working people and trade union members are attacked tomorrow financially, and we all start feeling the pain, I mean, you know, I mean, Train drivers aren't poorly paid, but I'm seeing the impacts of the cost of living going up and the heating and everything like that, Chris. So we, the members will be demanding that the trade unions do something about it. And I, they can either decide to try a different tact to what they have been doing for a long time, or they can become irrelevant, can't they? Mm. And that, that's, the, that's where they're going to be. And, and I think, you know, you look outside some of the stuff that Unite's been doing, um, you know, some of the, with the bin workers and, and uh, the dockers and, and everything, you know, the trade unions are fighting back. And I think yeah. more oh, yeah, people absolutely. read that. And they're getting some good successes as well, which is yeah. great. Yeah. So. Well, that's great. Well, listen, thank you, uh, both of you. And uh, perhaps just uh, conclude with a, with a quote from Tony Benn, 
which hopefully will inspire people when he said there are, are two flames that burn in the human heart, the flame of anger against injustice and the flame of hope that we can build a better world. And hopefully we've made some contribution towards building that better world tonight. So thanks very much indeed to Tosh McDonald and Andy Botham for their contributions this evening. Thank you for watching and we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Good night.